as far as figuring out what you're going to offer, I like to frame it this way. Again, it has to solve a need, right? If you think about what your overall program is solving, A to Z, that's your A to Z transformation. If you're thinking about what to give as a lead magnet, that should take that person from A to B. That's all, just A to B. If she's trying to solve A to Z, what does she need to do first? What is the most likely thing that she wants right now in this moment? That makes the best idea for your lead magnet in the format that she typically uses. Welcome to the Holistic Nutrition Hub podcast. Today I have Natalie on a call with me and we are going to cover a vast amount of topics it seems like but they are all topics that we haven't spoken about on the Holistic Nutrition Hub podcast yet I don't think so it's going to be a really interesting uh, recording I'm just going to get Natalie to do a quick introduction uh, neither one of us has done a podcast in a while so we're going to shake our cobwebs <laughs> off I think <laughs> And uh, loosen up a bit and hopefully um, we're going to give you some tidbits of info that you're looking for. So why don't you go ahead, Natalie? Thanks for being here. So hello, everybody. I'm Natalie Jensis. I'm a health and wellness copywriter and copywriting coach. Um, I have 29 years of marketing experience under my belt now, and um, I've just always had a love for marketing and, and writing specifically. And um, I, I don't want to get too deep into my whole journey, but my faith, my wellness journey has played a big part in shifting my gears from like the whole agency realm to wanting to really help in the wellness arena. So uh, I'm still on my wellness journey with mold illness and I've done lots of things. So I know a lot of the lingo and um, just the, how grueling the process can be and how valuable you guys, what you guys do is to people um, because they need help navigating. It's just too much to try to Google and figure it out yourself. It's, and so anyway, that's what brought me to start doing copywriting for health and wellness coaches. Um, and so that's what I do today. I help specifically uh, newer coaches to get started with the things that they need to get up and running with their business. Um, I've written a book about healthier eating as a sidebar because um, uh, that was the biggest thing that helped me the most was changing the way I ate. And um, I was at one point like, why am I retaining all of this information? Okay, maybe I need to put it into a book because I am a writer, right? <laughs> and that was my first step into this process of doing what I do because I really liked to be under the radar but that pulled me out got me talking about my personal life a little bit and then I did talks around that so I just want to add that because I know as you get started you can be like do I really have to share my personal life and blah 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 but it is serves a purpose it really does to help other people um, see what you're going through is might be what they're going through. So anyway, that's what brought me to do what I do today. Amazing. Can you speak a little bit more to how you decided to kind of keep the marketing side of things and not necessarily go down the route of becoming a natural nutrition coach yourself? Because I, <laughs> it's a big question, I know, but 
I think it's really interesting for people to hear because there's so much talk about the fact that you have to go into nutrition coaching, but I believe that there's ways to pull your, your skills that you already have and marry them with nutrition coaching in some capacity. And it seems like that's exactly what you've done. You went like most of us had a health journey, uh, and that, you know, pulled you out of the nine to five, maybe, and I'm speaking completely off the cuff here, but that's what I assume. Um, (laughs) but you know, like just how did you make that decision to, you know, maybe preferentially pick writing or helping, you know, the helping the coaches be coaches versus being a coach yourself. Right. And, and just to go back to your, your, just to explain, I guess a little bit further, I was like, I got laid off at one point from my job. And that's when I was able to have another child focus more on the copywriting versus the media buying. So there was a lapse in there where I had some time to um, really turn and focus toward the writing again and be freelancing and then come to where I am today to make it into a business. But at the point where I was doing these talks about healthier eating to promote my book, um, I was offering them to the schools and I actually got to speak in some schools to, or in our school to the different classes. And that was awesome because the kids were very receptive. The parents, I, I was getting not a lot of interest from the parents and it was very frustrating. And I just was like, you know, at one point I was like, should I be a health coach or what's, what's the deal with all of this? But it's like, my gift is writing and I kind of need to stay in that zone. Right. But I know that wellness is where I want to apply that. So instead of writing for McDonald's or, you know, beer and whatever other stuff that I'm like, that's not super good for you. Like I wanted to do something constructive with it. And I just feel like at that point, I was like, no, you need to use your gift, not, not um, try to be something that is going to frustrate you because I can look around the lunchroom. I'm a mom, two kids and they're out there, you know, they were at, I think three and five at the time I wrote that book and was starting to do those things. And I was just like, so frustrated with what I saw in the schools where people are like eating, you know, their friends are bringing Doritos and whatnot to to lunch. And Mm -hmm. I was just like, I can't walk into something that's going to cause me a lot of frustration and work for people that maybe aren't willing to do the work, you know, and that's what I was faced against. If you're a health and wellness coach and nutritionist, you're going to be in a space where you're not having so much resistance, but that's also why it's so important to find, define your ideal client, because you don't want to go up against something that's going to be a frustrating thing. You know, you want to find the people that are willing to change and do the work with you. So it really was a combination of that. And I, I think I faced that friction for a reason to keep me in my lane. So I think you just kind of need to follow those, those uh, little things that you run into and um, decide where your lane is and use your gifts for the reason that. Yeah. I think we all go through that where it's like a bit of trial and error, trying to see what feels right. Um, But really like 
actually genuinely sharing what you're going through and what your experience is. And, you know, you spoke a little bit to ideal client, and I know I've spoken about that before, but there's kind of this messaging that goes behind um, our sales pages and our social media and our story and these kinds of things. And so the first thing that we're going to kind of touch on today is what an elevator pitch is. First of all, I don't even know if people will know what that is. They might, but it's kind of this term that's like thrown around a lot. And I always picture in my head that you're in an elevator with somebody and somebody's like, so what do you do for work? Which would never happen. Nobody talks to each other these days. (laughs) That's true. (laughs) Nobody talks to anybody these days. So nobody's going to be like, so your work, what's going on with that? Um, so if you can just quickly explain like what an elevator pitch is and then maybe why it's important. Sure. Yes. It's sad that that probably won't happen much these days, but, um, your elevator pitch is kind of, well, it can be called your purpose statement or a mission statement in some cases. Um, it's basically your, what I do statement and it can start with a help statement, but, the reason it's important um, is that it shows up. It's like your billboard, your walking billboard, and especially in the online space. Okay, for for the regular world, driving down the road, you have like seven seconds to catch attention. In the online world, it's probably three to five seconds because someone's going to look at your profile statement on your Instagram and see right away if they want to stay there or not. So it's your first impression, your billboard. It can be the place where it's your make or break you where people click away or they stay around to read a little bit more about you. Right. And I've often, you know, used it to remind myself what what I'm doing, you know, like clarity on how you're moving forward in your business too, like not getting the waters muddied, let's say like, oh, today I need to do this, this, and this, and it's totally off brand. It's totally not what you're doing. Um, And I think there is a place for that depending on the type of business, but if you're selling a specific niche or something along those lines or a certain type of package, having this elevator pitch, you know, helps keep you motivated to kind of stay within that customer customer realm you know like I've worked with a client before his clients were over the age of 55 and in his elevator pitch you know it's like I work with people over 55 and like 55 plus right so just keeping that in mind I think has been really helpful you know to keep clients focused on their main client right that's a great point yeah because you can have a list of those tasks like you talked about and you can be like, well, wait, is this contributing to my goal here, to my to my purpose? No. Okay, we'll throw that out or make it a lower priority. Right. And because if you, I mean, most of us, and this is something that I've recently kind of started getting people to focus on is what is it that is speaking to you to do this work? You said, you know, your gift is as a writer. So what is the gift that you've been given to share as a holistic nutrition coach of some kind? Uh, What is your gift? And like, what is it? What's the message that you want to get across to people? 
and <laughs> parents are tricky ones. I will agree with you on that, Natalie. Um, but you know, like if you're being soulful and you're being heartfelt about what you're passionate about, then the work becomes that much easier and your tribe kind of finds you. Would you say you find the same thing? Yes, absolutely. I mean, I have like journaling prompts to help you walk through your elevator pitch and it, it goes back to your own story. I mean, they're very much related because a lot of, uh, and we'll probably get into this a little bit more, but you might be your own ideal client or you might have been your own ideal client. So when you um, think about why you want to help those specific people, you know, or who you've treated in the past that inspired you to do this even, or what inspired you to do this, when you dig into some of that, you're going to realize there is more um, clarity to your purpose, more specific specificity That's a tough word. Your <laughs> than you might have originally thought you know you can't just you can just say I'm going to help busy moms but if you can get more specific you're going to have more more success right because you can help busy moms but what are you helping busy moms with are you helping busy mm -hmm. moms meal planning? Are you helping busy moms with picky eaters? Are you helping busy moms, you know, organize their pantry? You know, what is it that you're helping with? And I, I liked what you said, like, you might have been your own ideal client. And often we, you know, maybe it took me too long to realize this, but I went through a whole bunch of like holistic nutrition coach businesses until I really realized like, my journey is to teach other holistic nutritionists how to be holistic nutritionists because I struggled with all of those things when I was starting. Before I, I, I was already kind of starting the holistic nutrition hub, but it was more for like a consulting platform. And then as that grew, it was more and more realizing that the problem wasn't, you know, the consulting platform. It was that people needed to know how to run this business and how to actually present themselves to it. So I think that, you know, you're right in saying that you most likely are your ideal client in some capacity and you just have to figure out what the thing is that's filling you with joy. You know, is it learning about the specific topic? Is it sharing that specific topic? Do people feel more connected with you because you're sharing your story? And that's often how I find my clients respond to me. They're like, oh, I went through the same thing as you. And then that's it. You know, you have your client, you found your, your person that you're going to be able to work with and help them through those issues. Right. Exactly. So what stage in someone's business should they have their messaging ready? Uh, well, I think I wish that the health certification or nutrition certification programs would kind of start feeding it the first two steps about the elevator pitch and ideal client. They're the first two steps in my process um, before they are done and certified. Um, so before you get certified, at least start thinking about it. hundred percent. I try and say this as much as I possibly can start your business before you're done school. And I don't think it gets said enough. And the business courses that are there are just not up to snuff, let's say, in terms of getting people 
you know, there's this like weird belief that if you have a certification, clients are just going to fall into your lap. And that is just the most unfortunate thing, because if they were prepared to know that when you come out of school, you're going to have to work. This is a business. This is a nine to five, you know, like situation that you need to put effort into or else you won't succeed at being a health coach. And it's a hard that's a hard thing to hear from people, right? Like it's a hard thing to hear it from somebody who's supposed to be helping somebody build a business, but that's the reality, you know, like that's just where we're at. And that's why, I mean, ultimately we're here is because we know a, how difficult it is. You've been in marketing for 29 years. There's a lot of money being thrown around to be the most forefront. And, you know, you saw it connected with the kids down below. I mean, we all are aware of like how this marketing works. Um, so how can you present yourself outside of school? And it's actually one of the things that I'm working on with a partner, actually, uh, some colleagues at the moment is exactly that a nutrition certification, and a health coaching certification that has the business entwined with it so that as you come out of school, you're already ready, you know, that's what awesome. you're doing, you know, because it is, that's a problem. Like we say, we want the industry to be bigger and better than it is, but what are we doing to actually shift it and change it at its core? Right. Because we do need it. Like you said. Yeah. And it's like, um, when I went to college, unfortunately it was a great college, but they didn't do a good job at that time of preparing me to go get a job. Hmm. So, um, it's kind of, reminds me of that and I can definitely attest because you know I've had all the experience in marketing I thought if I just started doing my thing and sharing it on Facebook then I, the clients would just fall at my feet and that did not happen it was like a humbling moment because I'm like not just a moment it was months right to get up your stuff together and that's why you want to get an earlier start because um for months I was just throwing stuff out there, hoping, thinking, I just need to show up and people will come. Well, that's not, <laughs> that's not all there is to it. It does take a lot of grit and it isn't the same as mass marketing. And we're not Adidas or Nike that can just throw an ad out there and have people flocking to us. Right. I like to add that, like we're in the wellness industry. So people, they're on a very personal journey and they need you to get personal with them in your marketing efforts. A hundred percent. Because how are they going to know that you know what their struggle is if you aren't, maybe you haven't personally gone through exactly what they are going through, but you know, they need to know that you can be vulnerable with them as well, because it is very personal and it is, you are getting, you know, you're building that trust with somebody and that's a huge, huge piece to it. And they have to be able to trust you. And the way that they're going to feel that they can do that is through what you say on your social media and on your website and through your marketing efforts. And in the notes for the podcast, you said, you know, to find your voice so that you don't feel like you're hard selling. And I think people get a lot, get afraid to sell, you know, or they don't know how to sell, you know? So I like the way you phrased it here, like hard selling. You don't want to sound pitchy. You don't want to sound like you're doing those things, but Maybe you can give, you know, an example of what a hard sell would kind of sound like and then what something that wouldn't be so um, maybe a more softer, a soft approach. Yeah. So, you know, hard sell would be something like um, 
hey, I'm starting my coaching program. Come uh, join, you know, buy it now. You'll learn how to be your best self or whatever. And um, when you get your voice, you can you can say, you know, hey, I'm starting this program. I really want to help 10 women who are busy moms uh, trying to uh, figure out a meal plan or figure out how to do this healthier eating thing so that their kids will actually love the meals too. Would you be interested in joining? Is this something that you need right now? Right. So it's really take, you're not, you're selling, but it's more about sharing than selling in the hard sell fashion. So it's just, you feel more at ease about it because you're just sharing your service, but you're able to do that when you're very specific versus just being generic and trying to, you know, kind of shove it at somebody. Right. And I think there's like something really solid about a story. Like if we think about everything that's been passed down to us from generation to generation has some kind of story behind it. And that's what tugs at those like emotional heart pieces and gets somebody truly interested in what we do have to share because they're going to be like, oh, hey, I can relate to that, but I can't relate to make $10,000 in, in one month within 30 days. Come mm -hmm. on. Like that's not going to happen. Let's be realistic. Like <laughs> <laughs> that's just like dollar sign, dollar sign, dollar sign. I would say like, that's the equivalent to marketing of like a Coca-Cola campaign or something, yes. you know, like for me in the business world, it drives me crazy. But, um, so can you tell me a little bit more about how to get info about your ideal client that actually helps you formulate your messaging and why that's important. Yeah. So sure. Okay. This is a loaded big question. So I'll break it down. Um, your, a lot of people want to just jump in and start writing stuff, but I have come and I never honestly thought I would coach on the elevator pitch and ideal client but it is just so needed. And that's again, where I've been drawn to. So those are my first two steps before you even start writing, because it is so important. So if you want to be able to say that I am going to help a busy mom get a food plan together that our kids are going to love, then you need to know that she needs that. Right. <laughs> you need to have that conversation with her. If she's your client that you're speaking to your potential client that you're speaking to. And you're talking about mindset shifts or overcoming anxiety. Well, she's not hearing you because she's not looking for that or listening for that. So that's why it's so important to know your ideal client. I like to, um, I have this terrible stick figure diagram that I draw sometimes, <laughs> but I'll use my hands instead. So if you're a person, if you're A and you're speaking to B and you're you're saying I'll help you with all of these things, then you're showering that person. That person feels like a dog in the rain, like shaking out. What the heck did I? I don't know what she does because she does all these things and I don't really understand. If you start talking about the mindset and the and the anxiety and she's looking for you know the healthy meals our kids will love not just healthy meals but that our kids will love too 
then you're going to fall short. She's not going to hear that. So what you want is that direct communication. You're speaking about the meal plan her kids will love, and that's what she's looking for. And there's that direct line of communication. She has her ears perked and wants to hear more from you, wants to see your lead magnet and, and then eventually start working with you. So that kind of demonstrates the importance of your ideal client. But again, like you said too, Lynn, that also helps you keep on track and stay on target with along with the elevator pitch because you're like, okay, does this serve those health, those busy moms or not? Am yeah. I still working in that space or not? Um, so that's the gist of why you want to do it. Um, and, and this is when you research your ideal client, you're going to get ask open-ended questions and get the answers from them. Those answers are your goal. That's the words. Those are the words that you want to use in your copywriting, assuming it aligns with your purpose and your elevator pitch. Yeah. How do you motivate clients to actually go out and ask people these questions? Because <laughs> I feel like people are really scared to just ask. Like if you go out and you just ask somebody like, hey, you have a friend. Let's say you've cre created this package and you have this friend and the friend is like somebody that would work really well for this service that you offer why are people so afraid to ask them to just, you know, either check it out or, you know, something even ask, like, would this even be of interest to you? What topics would you want me to cover? Why would this be interesting to you? What would this help you with? You know, so how do you motivate people to even ask those questions? Um, that's a great question, Lynn. Uh, I don't know the answer to that. I don't know how to motivate them besides saying your copy isn't going to work. Like I've tried it. Like I write fantastic copy, if I may say so, but <laughs> if it's not in line with your ideal client, it doesn't work. And so even after my first attempt, I wasn't getting the leverage that I needed because I wasn't niched down far enough. Mm. Um, I, I mean, personally, I was in the wellness professionals at first. That was when I thought I was really niched down and I was scared and I was like, that's really narrow. And then it came to me that I'm like, wait, this isn't working, of course. And then I went down to health coaches to that level. Right. And, and, um, I was just like, this feels scary because I'm just focusing on health coaches. It does feel scary. It will feel scary, but it works. So then even after that, I'm like, well, all the health coaches that I'm, that are becoming my clients are new. So that is my sweet spot. Okay. And it's much needed right now. It's hard as hell because nobody wants to do these strategy pieces, this homework up front. They don't, they aren't necessarily motivated, but I just try to share my experience and say, it's, you can write fantastic copy. You have folders full of information from your certification program that you know so much that is not going to help unless you are dialed in. So you're going to spin your wheels. You're going to get frustrated. You're going to waste time. You're going to waste money. What more can I say? I mean, if that doesn't motivate you, then. <laughs> I think that there's also this thing where it's like, well, if I get one more certification, 
Mm. And then I'll be able to sell or then I'll be busy or then I'll have clients. And it's trying to get people to understand. And I think this is, you know, something I have been, I'm not going to say struggling with, but I've been seeing a lot with clients too, is that they're like, oh, well, if I just take this other thing over here, that's going to be what is going to get my business off. And, but really what that's doing is just putting the work into something else versus putting it into yourself. And I think mm-hmm. there has to be like this belief that you're 100% capable of doing the work and actually being successful at it. And I think there's a huge fear factor behind it. I think so too. And there's just, I, I don't know, it, it was like stubbornness for me. I think mm. I did not want to be the entrepreneur, honestly. I wanted to, I was freelance writing this is nice. People are just handing me work to do and I don't have to do the tech. I don't have to do the accounting. I don't want to do that stuff. Well, if you're going to run a business, you have to do that stuff or you have to at least start doing it and then you can outsource it as you make more money. But it was kind of stubbornness for me, but I can see where you're saying like another certification. It's like, you're just letting things procrastinate the inevitable you really need to it does take grit and it does take showing up and I think having those conversations you know why why would you find this helpful what specifically would you find helpful in it I think we're just again we're getting like taken or we're getting guided away from those personal conversations with Mm. this whole isolation thing and everything so that's not helping. But when you ask those questions, you get a a tremendous amount of feedback that's going to help you. And that person feels heard. So usually a win-win and usually people are very willing to talk to you about that. Fair. Um, So other than asking, you know, thinking you know what your ideal client is and asking you know some of these questions where else can people do research about their ideal client mm. yeah yeah that's going to be my question <laughs> sure and and we we talked about this a little bit but like if you aren't sure who your ideal client is you might just want to start with yourself are you your ideal client um as we're talking about all this you mentioned this too, that your business will evolve. It's going to evolve. So, so will your ideal client and that's okay. There will be some trial and error like me. Okay. It's getting narrower and narrower. Now it's more on target. I get it. So don't feel like you have to get it perfect the first Mm. time. Um, You can take yourself as an example. You know, if you are, were your ideal client, I heard on one podcast that if you're two steps ahead of your ideal client, that's great because it's fresh in your mind and you haven't forgotten. It would be like me. Otherwise I'm trying to teach someone how to change diapers. And that's been 10 years ago. Not going to (laughs) work as well. Right. So if you even start with that, that can help get you moving. Um, and that also takes the pressure off of you from having to feel like you're making some grandiose promise, like instead of getting them all the way over here on the spectrum, you're just getting them ahead. You're just making progress to this one spot. Um, Other places besides asking them, which I didn't get into, but you can ask them on over email. You can have that conversation. You can 
put it in your polls on social media. I'm sure you talk about this in your courses as well. Um, but you can also go into Facebook groups, for example, and search the posts. You, you might mention this as well too, Lynn, but search for topics, whatever like biggest pain point if you're in a group on autoimmune disorder. Someone probably has already asked the question and you can type in the search bar, biggest pain point, biggest challenge, and you'll see a lot of the answers already there that you don't have to go and ask the question. The thing right. about that is you want to make sure you're taking answers from your ideal client. Like if it's in a broad group of women and they're not all autoimmune, then you throw those answers away for your sake right. for, for what you're doing right now. Um, you can make a Google form uh, survey monkey, but it's still all about asking questions. Um, you can go to your competitors and see what they're doing and get some ideas off of their, you know, social media feeds or their websites to see what they are saying and what they're talking about. So that's another resource. Yeah, absolutely. I I like the idea of like checking out your competitors, but I am going to put like a little asterisk here and be like, don't compare yourself to them because I find that that happens a lot too, where it's like, they're doing so much more than I am already. And they're so much more successful and, oh man, I want to be like them, but then you're not doing anything, <laughs> you know, yeah. to be like them. So I think that that's something to be said. And then also like looking at not like even going deeper and like looking at what they're talking about but what are people responding to mm -hmm. right you know like looking and digging and seeing what like people are actually interested in um under these umbrellas let's say I think that's mm -hmm. a really great idea and like you said like your your niche well maybe your niche won't change but what you're doing within your business will shift and change but I also want to put another asterisk there, like, and just say, <clears throat> like, don't keep pivoting over and over and over again so that you don't grow momentum. Because I see that happen too, where it's like, well, I was doing this and nothing was happening. So I pivoted again and then I pivoted and then I pivoted again. <laughs> and then it's like, well, did you give it enough time to gain traction? Did you share for long enough? Was this really a matter of like, needing to shift or was this a matter of <laughs> getting impatient like, impatient exactly like it takes a long freaking time to build your business like I'm gonna ask this might be a personal question but like how long have you decided to kind of go into the entrepreneur route instead of um instead of you know working as a freelancer or working in the marketing the other marketing sphere yeah um it's been four years now that I've been doing it and it's been a slow go I mean I've had a lot of life changes mm. in between and that stubbornness of admitting that okay I need to be an entrepreneur and take this a little bit more seriously so but I know I know people can take longer and they've taken less time and also I'm not you know doing a ton of paid advertising more organic so I was going to ask you, how long do you recommend sticking before you pivot? Mm -hmm. Is there well, a time frame that you recommend? So I started kind of building my nutrition like career in 2014. I officially graduated in 2015 from one certification, 
while I was taking a different one, just so that I would be able to practice. And then I started my coaching business right after I finished that first one. And I started working in a gym and I was fine. Like I was making money and I was working almost full time, but I felt like it wasn't for me. And then I was like, oh, well, maybe I need to be teaching. And so I went into teaching uh, at a nutrition school and teaching, you know, within the cooking classes. And I, I love that. I love teaching and I knew that. <clears throat> and then I started a meal prep business, which was actually just kind of by accident. <laughs> so a client of mine, this is kind of the story is like a client of mine was like, I don't have time to like cook the food that you're offering. I just want you to cook it for me. And I was like, Ooh, I don't know. <laughs> like I can cook, but like, I don't know, <laughs> but she asked for it and I was like, okay, I'll do it for you. And then within three months I had actually quit working at the school and I was full enough to hire on another holistic nutritionist. So I had found a very specific niche market that people were looking for. They wanted to eat better. They wanted to be healthy and they wanted these catered meal plans, but they didn't have time to cook them. And so that was kind of my natural progression into doing that. And I probably would have kept doing it, except I ran into my own health issues too. And uh, we moved. And so I ended up selling the company. Mm. Um, but it took me, you know, five years to lean into this business and just accept the fact that this is actually where I want to be. You know, I love nutrition. I love nutrition coaching, but it's like, here is... <laughs> here's what is coming to me and here's what I love doing. And so leaning into that and actually, you know, accepting that, but now I'm not, I'm not going to start another business, <laughs> you know, like I'm not, now that things are kind of rolling here after, you know, our move and after selling the meal prep company, you know, it's like, I'm hunkering down, you know, to make this a thing because, well, they need it as much as, you know, as we think they do. So yeah, I would say awesome. giving it a good solid year, at least of trying one thing and pushing. And I mean, solid, like I'm not talking, <laughs> I'm not talking about like posting once a week on social media and, <laughs> you know, hoping for the clients to knock on your door. Like you need to be door knocking. If you go on Netflix and watch people sell houses in like Beverly Hills and things, they're knocking on people's doors to get those listings. And that sounds very like hard selly, but how are people going to see your face and know who you are if you're not putting yourself out there? And it doesn't mm -hmm. have to be on social media. It can be out in the world of, you know, business networking groups, busy mom groups, mm -hmm. uh, at schools, you know, if you have kids, there's so many places for you to talk about what you're doing gently um and just share what you're you're doing but I think there is a a balance that people feel like they have to keep so yeah and I love your story like your story has led you to where you are today so like your car sales has helped you with your selling your business your teaching has allowed you to teach your courses that you create now and your meal prep and your certification and all when you start bullet pointing those things out, it's like, yeah, I'm in the right place. I'm doing the right thing I'm meant to do. So hundred percent. And I think that people have a hard time seeing that the skills that they're picking up along the way are somehow going to lead to this successful thing. Mm -hmm. And it's not, it's, it's about having that patience and that's really tough. 
especially when you're on your own as an entrepreneur. Like I feel very lucky. I just look to where my husband's spot is, but like, I feel lucky that like my husband's also an entrepreneur, but there's people out there doing the same thing as us. And it's, you know, how do you, how do you get it across that it's tough work, but it's the most fulfilling, you know, work that you're going to be probably doing. Yeah, I agree. And to have a network of people that can support you that are entrepreneurs, because it is, it is difficult. It's, it's not easy, but when you, it's all about networking with the people that can support you. And then you're networking with people who can use your services, whether you're offering them something free at first, more than likely, and then they're getting to know you. And then that's when you can start to talk to them about your paid services. And in that time where you're having conversation with them, you're gathering information. And yeah. which is why we go, we both say to start doing that before you get done with your certification. So you can have that information in in my mind, I'm sitting here thinking if I'm going through a certification, I'm like, I don't have time to do another thing. But if you're pecking away at it and asking people questions here and there, it doesn't have to be so time consuming. It's a natural thing. It's just, you have to start doing it for it to feel more natural. Well, so there's like, a lot of, yeah, there's a lot of creativity that goes into to running a business too. And it's, you know, these are kind of the... I'm not going to say the more boring parts, but they're not the parts that we think that we're going to have to get into, you know, like it's unfortunate that, well, we've already covered that. It's unfortunate that it's not like given as information earlier on, but it's still part of that creative process. You're building mm -hmm. something, something like something that you're going to be really proud of. And so it's like how how do you share that knowledge that you're learning even in school so that people know that you're setting yourself up to be that, um, you know, leader in that, in that realm. Right. So the story part is definitely key. You touched on something just a minute ago and you said, give something away for free. Mm -hmm. People hate giving things away for free. They think that if they give something away for free, <laughs> nobody is going to need to talk to them. Uh, because they've given away that information. Why is that false? Why is that what? False in your mind. Oh, uh, <laughs> again, trial and error. <laughs> so you, you need to give something away for free because it does a few things. And this is called a lead magnet in marketing world. It's a freebie and irresistible free offer in other terms. But when you create a lead magnet, one that is appropriate that actually solves the problem because you'll hear lead magnets are dead, but that's when they aren't crafted with thought and intentional intentionality, but it does a few things. It lets people get a little taste of what it is to work with you, what it's like to work with you, your personality or approach. It gives you their email address so that you can continue communication with them. And it's just, generally building that know, like, and trust um, those factors because they're seeing you're willing to give something and you're not just here to get their money, you know? No, I genuinely, genuinely want to help you get better. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's definitely needed 
because there's so much competition out there, especially because of that, you need something that's going to stand out and, um, again, show them, especially if you're just coming out of school and, and don't have a client base. I mean, they have your, your people have so many choices. You need to let them know why they want to work with you. And you can do that by offering them a simple freebie. That's right. Yeah. I mean, it's one reason why, well, everybody I think knows what a lead magnet is, you know, there's a pop up on the screen. And this is one type of lead magnet. This is not the only type of lead magnet, but something pops up on the screen when you arrive at a website, and then you enter your email address, and then they can continue marketing to you. Mm -hmm. And I think people skip that step of the staying in connection with the people who have already found you. It's like, here, I'm going to write a blog post, but then it stops. So they found you. You have no idea that they found you. Um, and then you lose connection with them. So this lead magnet allows them to, you know, stay connected with you. And there's something, maybe you can speak a bit to this, Natalie, but, you know, the top of the funnel, the middle of the funnel and the bottom of the funnel and like a cold lead versus a warm lead and a hot lead. And those are vastly like different parts of that funnel. So I don't know if you can speak to that just a little bit. Sure. Yeah. So when you're thinking about your potential clients, there's a buying process and that's kind of what we are talking about a funnel at the top of the funnel is like this level of awareness. It's like top top level, they're just realizing, going back to the busy mom with uh, wanting healthy meals for her kids, um, she's realizing that there's a bit of a gap she wants to fill there, but she's, you know, it's very vague at this point. And that is when you can capture her with your lead magnet. As you warm up to her, she's going to come down the funnel a little bit and she might, you know, maybe your lead magnet was um, like, I don't know, four, 14 days of meals or tips to, to get started. Or maybe it's actually even simpler and it's like a week's worth of snack swaps. Mm. So um, it's something simpler. And then as she gets further down into your funnel, she's reading some more of your emails. Uh, you're going to give her a free training, perhaps on a more specific topic, like how to make dinners, you know, more healthy or, uh, yeah, we'll just say that for an example. And then she's getting more and more trust in you and she's getting warmed up to the bottom where she's a hot lead. She's consumed several of your lead magnets or several of your other, maybe it's a low priced item, you know, like a $47 workshop or something like that. Then she's down further in the funnel hot because she knows you well she's liked what she's seen it's working so far her for her she wants to buy your into your program right. to do the whole shebang so you want to think about where these people are in the funnel and give them what they need as they go that doesn't mean you're giving away everything free some some of it can be lower priced items Definitely top of funnel though, that wants to be free. And then as they get further into the funnel, it can be higher priced items. Yeah. I like to kind of like imagine people like looking at the top of the funnel being like their social media. So like videos and clips that you, I don't know, 
Instagram posts and those kinds of things are right at the top in the center. Like maybe they've seen you on Instagram and they're like, okay, I'm going to click on this link and download the freebie that she had. That's kind of getting warmer. You probably still have to do some work, which again, you know, we can email marketing is kind of where that flows in where you have, you know, a sequence that leads out after they download this so that you can start you know, just sharing a little bit more knowledge now that you know what they're interested in. For example, you know, if somebody downloads something on my website, I know that they're coming to look for marketing ideas or something like that. And then that sequence can be catered to them to give them a little bit more knowledge, get to know you a little bit more, and then they warm up to the idea of actually buying with you. And then when you do offer something for sale or something goes on sale, you can send out a special email, you know, stating that and that's when they're more likely to buy from you but it you do have to warm them up you know like I'll give a good example so like before Sean my husband even started selling anything he spent six months just talking about what he was doing talking about what he was working on sharing his ideas talking about the subject for six months didn't sell anything and then the minute that he put out that first course that he sold he sold over a hundred in less than 24 hours. Wow. That's awesome. Right. So that's just to kind of like, just talk to the fact that that does work. <laughs> and even when you are talking about things for free, um, it warms up those people really, really well and helps them feel connected to you um, as, you know, somebody who can help them. Right. And go again. So if they're, you're warming those people up while you're still going through your certification program, then you're going to be a little bit ahead of the curve and warming up the people sooner rather than later. Exactly. And that's exactly kind of why I brought up this thing that Sean did was because, you know, I think if somebody did start one year into their journey, they're already positioning themselves as somebody who's going to be coming out of the gates, you know, positioning themselves as an expert um, and not waiting to say, Oh, look, I did this amazing thing. Now you can come to me. People still don't know why they should come to you. So I think that's really important to say. Um, did you have anything else to say on lead magnets as to, oh, like I was gonna, Oh, I'm sorry. I was going to ask you now to clarify though, was Sean spending like those six months? Was it like that his nine to five kind of effort or was it more sporadic? It was nine to five. Well, almost, well, I would say it was a mix of both because he still had clients, right? So he still had personal training clients two days a week. Well, it started out like five days a week. He had clients, then he kind of transitioned to having clients only two days a week. And now, you know, he's at the point now where he can drop his nine to five clients, uh, those two days a week, and he's going to be working fully from home. So he's done that over the last couple of years, you know, like it was a little bit of a process, but you know, it is paying in dividends and, and that's just proof. I'm going to say the proof is in the pudding, you know, like it's proof that this method works. It's just that there is work that goes into it. And there was, it's a challenge running a business as a married couple, like <laughs> not going to lie, like, <laughs> but we, I would it. never survive that <laughs> myself, <laughs> my husband and I, <laughs> but that's well, awesome. and, and we just like merged our office together too, but it's just like a <laughs> testament to, to like the fact that we are able to make it work and, and everybody, you know, has that opportunity if they're willing to like put an effort in. 
Yeah, that's awesome. Um, but yeah, so he wasn't just half willy nilly, you know, trying to make those connections over six months. It took a lot of time. So just re a reality check, but also in, I guess it's encouragement. Like it can take a long time and just building the audience or the following takes time. Right. So don't pivot too quickly. Going back to what Lynn, you said. Hmm. I don't know if you've watched like Friends uh, ever, but when Ross is like saying, every time I say the word pivot, all I can picture is Ross <laughs> with the couch in that really crammed corner as they're trying to move it. Anyway, that's all I can think of. <laughs> I don't remember that one, but I do. I did I'm, watch it. That's hilarious. I'll have to, I'll have to send you the clip because it's, you're going to understand what plays in my head every single time I say that word or hear somebody and Sh Sean and I actually repeat it to each other all the time if we say it. So anyways, I digress. I um, wonder if there's a GIF for that. <laughs> there, I'm hundred percent certain somebody has definitely done it. Um, I might have to put that up on my Instagram as our like podcast intro. Um, <laughs> anyhow, is there like something that you found works better as a lead magnet than something else? For example, like a webinar over a like static piece of content, like a handout or something like that. Um, well, for me, my audio training actually has worked the best, but also I've promoted that the most. So what, I don't want to say that there's one thing that works better than the other. Again, I'm going to reiterate, it needs to go back to your ideal client and what does she want? Does she listen to podcasts? Does she watch videos? Does she read things? You know, you want to do something that meets her where she is. So that is like key. One key thing, um, as far as figuring out what you're going to offer, I like to frame it this way. Again, it has to solve a need, right? If you think about what your overall program is solving A to Z, that's your A to Z transformation. If you're thinking about what to give as a lead magnet, that should take that person from A to B. That's all just A to B. And that's a step forward, right? So if she's trying to solve A to Z, what does she need to do first? What is the most likely thing that she wants right now in this moment? That makes the best idea for your lead magnet in the format that she typically uses. Yeah, absolutely. And I would say, you know, I'm leaning towards... <laughs> Well, I'm going to say this, if you know your ideal client, you kind of know what age bracket they're in. And depending on the age bracket, different age brackets are going to have different ways of consuming material, right? And I think that also gets forgotten. So mm -hmm. like I, I often err on the fact that I'm going to get some 45-year-old nutrition coaches and I'm going to get some 25-year-old nutrition coaches. So I do a webinar and then attached to that webinar is a handout, you know, like here's a checklist for you. You've got this whole webinar. Here's the checklist to make sure you go and take action. And that's the way that I give the webinar away for free. And then the uh, handout is there to collect the email address. <clears throat> okay. That makes sense. I was going to ask if it was paid or not, because what I've, I've done some webinars that were not paid, which I had a ton of people sign up for, not a ton. I should say it was like 40 people, but it was a lot more than I was expecting, but then like four or five people showed up 
And when I've done a paid one, uh, you know, like $25, it wasn't a huge amount. Then I've had more people. I still had like 10 people sign up. So you'll, uh, there'll be some trial and error there too, Mm -hmm. because it depends if you, people are going to invest more time in something they pay for. But when you're just getting started and somebody's totally cold, you do need to offer some free stuff. Yeah. I think I kind of look at it in two different ways and I've had the same thing happen. It happened to me not even like three weeks ago. I think, you know, I had 45 people sign up saying that they were going to be there and I got a big fat zero and I was so disappointed because I had had so many people comment and be like, yeah, I definitely need help with this. Like I'm definitely coming to ask my questions. Mm-hmm. And that's back to that like motivation piece was like, what else do we need to do to get you motivated <laughs> to actually start your business? Like I'm here, I'm offering my time to you to give you everything that I know. Um, so, and it can be really disappointing for me. I wasn't disappointed. I just went on Instagram and was like, you guys show up for your freaking businesses. Like that's step one. Like that's all I saw that post. What was yeah. the topic of that webinar going to be? It was actually be? like a totally open Q and a, like come as mm. you are, whatever stage you're at in your business, I will answer your question. Um, so anyways, I wasn't disappointed. I was more disappointed for the people who didn't take the time and effort to invest in themselves. So free, yes, I get it. If you do something like that for free and nobody shows up, record it anyways. Put it out on YouTube. Put it out. Like we live in this amazing uh, world today where we can literally put out whatever information we want. Mm -hmm. Record yourself and put it out as your thing. Create the lead magnet from that. And if it's a complete flop in terms of people showing up, you still have an amazing piece of content that you can clip and turn into a bunch of uh, stuff on your social media. So never lost, in my opinion. It is just frustrating, especially if you're a new coach. And Mm -hmm. then in terms of getting paid things, I do think that that's probably true. Like, but this was a good lesson for me because it, you know, gave me the idea to, you know, pivot my packages slightly and actually start talking about coaching a little bit more and, and that sort of thing. So I don't think that those situations are ever quite lost, but it can be infuriating, especially when you're just new. Yeah. And, and I don't, I want to encourage that if people don't show up, like you said, you can repurpose the material and don't, uh, don't necessarily pivot right away. Mm -hmm. Um, you might just, you know, keep trying it a few times, I would say, before you say, okay, I need to change topics or whatever it may be. Um, Well, and maybe did you present it? Did you drop it on like on social media, you know, five days before the webinar, or did you warm them up for three months before this webinar? Right. Because I think that there is something to say for that. Do people know that this is coming or have you not done the legwork, you know, in front of that to get people in front of that? Yeah, that reminds me of something too. Like I will help people write their lead magnets and stuff. And then they're wondering why it's not getting some traffic. I'm like, are you sharing (laughs) the lead magnet on your social media? You can't just put it on your website or landing page and expect people to flock to it, especially if you're just getting started. If you have a massive site that's got lots of traffic built in already, then that's different. But most of us do not have that. 
And so you need to promote several times your lead magnet. You're selling the lead magnet, even though it's free. Right. We're so yeah, you want to warm them up for a few weeks, a few, a month. Um, you'll find out, you'll see whether people sign up as soon as you start promoting it or they wait till the last minute, kind of. Exactly. <laughs> it's always, I think it, the time of year changes things too. And, and that's another reason, mm -hmm. like back to like not pivoting too fast is like, what is the rhythm of your business and how do you figure that out? And, and <laughs> what, what is the natural flow of things, you know? Cause I always find like winter is my creative time. This is kind of where I, overlook the last year and then try and come up with a few new fresh ideas for the new year. And mm -hmm. I know that because it's nice and slow that I can get that work done. Um, but anyways, I feel like we have covered a lot of information. Is there anything that you would like to add on to the back of what we said? Um, I feel like we've said so much that I hope that it actually resonates <laughs> with some people. Yeah, I do too. Um, I just want to encourage and a bit of a disclaimer, I guess, like when you are niching down to one ideal client and you're thinking about this one, we didn't really talk about the one, but I always encourage one, you do the same. You're talking to one person with your messaging. That doesn't mean that you have to, that you don't serve other people because there will be overflow overlap. Um, other people will come to you. So you don't want to, you won't, you don't need to feel like you're getting you're painting yourself into a corner, getting pigeonholing yourself, however you want to say it, because it's just the idea of with your marketing and your messaging, you're speaking to that one person so that you can get clear on those problems that she has and the daily things that she's doing that you can advise her and help her and support her with. And other people will come even that aren't necessarily that one ideal client. So it's mostly about your marketing. It doesn't mean you have to narrow your business services as much mm -hmm. and this some... niching down to it affects your product packages I'm sure you I see that you have the product packaging and pricing after the ideal client and that is probably why mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah exactly well because how are you supposed to know what your what what the package is what I teach is like a very general consulting like method I guess is the best way of putting it so that somebody can go out and use it with anybody mm -hmm. uh, in terms of anybody that they know that they're going to be able to feel comfortable sharing with, you know, like mm -hmm. it's a blanket kind of package, but the process and the goal that you're working towards is going to be more related to what you are speaking to. So say it's autoimmune condition, the package that I give them and the method that I give them allows them to then take that niche and put it inside of that package. Like, because it's so generalized, it can apply to everybody because it's about finding, you know, which body systems are out of alignment, which macronutrients are maybe low or deficient. And so it can apply to anybody who's looking for help because it's that. So mm -hmm. how do they then apply that to their own business? And that's where they, at the very end of my business course, like that's where they kind of insert their niche into what I've already taught them in terms of coaching so that mm -hmm. they can then kind of mold their own package around what I've given them. Okay. It's that's great. Definitely not like, <laughs> 
a one size fits all kind of thing. It's just, you know, here's an idea, run with it, try it out, see what happens. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> before we get off the call today, can you just share where people can find you online? Sure. Yes. My website is the main place. So nataliejensitz.com. And put that I guess in the show notes. Okay. So yeah. That people it's not can get typical the spelling. spelling. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and um, I'm also on Instagram. So you'll see that from my uh, website. But those are my main places to find me. Awesome. Um, do you have any lead magnets that might be relevant to the conversation that we had today? <laughs> I do. I actually have several lead magnets on my website. I have one about the three first steps to getting health new clients. And that's a little bit about what we talked about today. I have one for, for doing your elevator pitch. I have one for doing your ideal client research and one for some copywriting basics. Perfect. All right. Well, thanks for being here today. I enjoyed our chat and uh, looking forward to seeing the response from the community. Thank you for having me, Lynn. It was a pleasure and I just love what you're doing and just wish you all the best with your business. Thanks. Thank you. Thank you.